Good morning, and welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello. Happy Tuesday, gentlemen. Or or is it, Tommy? <laughs> Still is. <laughs> for now, right? For, for now. now. For now. We've already we've already had a bumpy morning getting going here, so we're we're sorry. We're apologizing for those who like to listen on live. We are a little bit late. Uh, Tommy's desk literally imploded. Uh, Michael's computer is crashing. It it's snowing outside. We're, we're supposed to be getting tons of snow right now. Yeah. It's just a crazy day today. So we're, we're it's one of those. Oh boy! I hope it's I hope the rest of the day isn't isn't indicative of what we've just experienced this morning. So here's one thing I know: in the digital world, I'm great at engineering. I, I things make sense to me. I'm excellent at. It, but the physical world, trying to put stuff together, not so much. Try to extend the desk and challenge. It's uh, a challenge. Challenge accepted. It's a challenge. No, it's just a challenge. Just, just a, a challenge. challenge okay, no exception. It's challenging. Uh, so today's topic, today's main topic is going to be talking more about our um, wonderful article that's coming out from the BI strategy, talking specifically around BI strategic planning for your Power BI organization. And we've been going through this every Tuesday, we've been kind of going through some more strategic um, efforts, initiatives, things you should be thinking about as an organization. And today we're talking about section, I think maybe more like two and three, um, mm -hmm. section two, which is talking, or step two, talking about conducting your workshops and how to use these workshops to acquire information about your business, what's important, what's not. And then step three, which is run those workshops and then completing your assessments of your organization. So thinking through deeper about how do you engage the business strategically to get them on board for this rollout of Power BI. Okay, that's our main topic for today. Let's talk about news and announcements here. And um, I want to bring up one. I think, Tommy, you've got a topic here as well. And I'll see if I can grab the link here and put it in the chat window. Link, I'll say it this way. LinkedIn's algorithm knows me really, really well. I mean, it, it is good. It must know on Tuesdays there are podcasts. Yeah. And it knows to bring me the articles or things that I like to look at on the morning on uh -huh. Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. I don't know what it is because I, I set my alarm. I'm so groggy. I grab my phone. I start looking at it, trying to wake myself up. And so... Usually, one almost always there's a message on LinkedIn. Someone's trying to sell me something. Well, then I just <laughs> always like, hey, we're a team over here and wherever you are in the world, and yeah. we have a team of developers ready to help you out. Let's take your money exactly. and develop yeah. something. So, like, right. I, I don't need that. Thank you, but I appreciate you reaching out on LinkedIn. <laughs> However, that first list of algorithm articles uh, comes up, and um, today, and and I want to bring this topic up. There has been some updates to the. The slicer inside Power BI desktop. The slicer yeah. has gotten much more capable recently. Mm -hmm. So for one, that's awesome. And what I'm seeing now is I'm seeing a lot more um, people using that slicer to do some really incredible things um, with Power BI. And one such example, and this is, and again, um, like, let me get her name here real quick. Her name is Frida, Frida Daniel. And just doing a, a just a very simple, hey, I used Figma. I grabbed some watches from Amazon. Here's the top 10 best-selling smartwatches on Amazon. And a little Power BI report around that. And she published the report on Novi Pro, which is a great place to put your uh, published reports for, for free if you want to publish a report and share it out to the world. So here's the link. I'll put the link here below. It's, it's from LinkedIn. Um, so it's a little bit, um, I don't know, it, it's 
your mileage will vary on LinkedIn. You have to be signed in to see all this stuff and anything anyways. But here's the report. And if you click into the report, there's some really interesting uh, slicer effects that they're using now to make it look a lot like an Amazon advertisement. And it's it's pretty slick what's happening now. So I put the link in the chat window here. You can go check out the report yourself. Go play around this report. But people are building some really neat things with the new slicer. And it's it's becoming quite, in my opinion, quite compelling now to use this new slicer. Images and formatting of text, it's pretty nice. So I think this report incorporates that. But in my, my announcement here in general is just, I see a lot more reports coming out with very enhanced uses of this new slicer. So it seems like people are liking this new feature. Yeah, this is a really good example of like using product image Oh, totally. Images for, you know, different uh, and, and the assortments and all the different. Oh, man, that's a really good idea. Isn't it beautiful? Really cool. Yeah, it is beautiful, too, though. And I could tell, I mean, right away, I can already say, like, there's Figma involved here, right? So um, if you're not learning Figma, if you're not building good backgrounds, I mean, this this report doesn't just exist just because RBI does this for you. It, it takes a lot of work to make it this polished. And this is where I think Tommy... And I and Seth, for you, we've all argued about this. Like, how much time should be spent to make mm -hmm. it looking this pretty? Um, and it's debatable. Like, what are you what are you trying to do with the report? Is it a is it a showcase? Like it like this example I just sent? Yeah, spend a lot of time. Learn stuff. You know, spend time to learn how it works. Um, so really a really neat report. I mean, even the font that's an image. That's not a Power yes. BI. No, there's no font in Power BI that does that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I, listen, I love this, but I think it still goes back to our biggest, cont I don't want to say contention, but it's kind of really the conflict when it comes to this type of thing is the real estate that filters taking is works for this data store gallery or, or works for a firm oh, of that. Great point. You know what I mean? And like, you're still taking up a ton of real estate. I actually, that might be just the image, but it's cool. It's really cool, but that still may not be for your internal things that what you need it's and i still think it goes back to to your point mike mm -hmm. with from the figma design know your audience and what are you trying to deliver and if it is maybe something more client facing if it's more for a presentation you know like this looks really nice yes you may not need all of that for every report let, let yeah, me I, I agree to some respect but okay. like there there's a use case here where what, what this is doing is providing an experience where the slicer is giving you hmm. a smaller image to capture mm -hmm. your eye. Yeah. Yes. And then you're like, oh, hey, I I'm looking for black. Oh, oh, I like that. Like, because it pops the full image yes. with yeah. with a few details um, uh, on the right-hand side as far as, like, some of the specs of the watch. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean... You're right from a full analysis perspective. It's like, okay, well, if I want to look at all my watches and, but this is byproduct for reviews. Yeah. I, 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 I like the use case. I think it's very well put together. Um, but yeah, I would agree. It's more, it's more kind of end user or consumer focused um, than heavy analysis. But yeah, I mean, it's just use case. Listen, I just hope McDonald's adopts this. So when I need to order online, they're using Power BI. <laughs> there you right. go. Great. There you go. Oh. Just scroll down through the menus like, ooh, yeah, McDonald's fries. And they're using and, the new slicer. And then the slicer shows you extra large, medium, small. You're like, slicer and sliders. Big. Yeah. Go big I'm or go home. I'm going to be so bold as to say 
what I'm going to present to you right now is anyone who's listening, this is a million dollar idea, potentially for free. There you go. All right, so here's the million dollar idea. These reports can be made and embedded into a separate web page. You can, like, there's all this Amazon dropship. You can go find products on Amazon. You can be a reseller. It's fairly easy to get that stuff started. If you can find top 10 lists of things on Amazon, things that sell well, and you can produce reports like this, mm-hmm. and then have just literally a website with just report after report, like just pages of reports. So each report page gets a, a very well document. Here's the reviews. Here's the things. Here's the images. All the information is there for you. And then all you have to do is provide, here's a buy now button. And it takes you right to the Amazon product. You could make with, I think, relatively ease, without costing you a lot of money, really beautiful looking reports that are interactive that help customers pick the top 10 of some kind of products off of Amazon. You could really sell some things, I think, here. I think you could really make this go somewhere if you actually spent some time designing some good reports or you had a product series or products that you were actually really passionate about and you could you could build some good stuff here anyways just found that to be very interesting um yeah i think that's that is my that's my big that's my one big idea that i've often thought about um doing this with my kids to try and teach them some like hey what do you guys like to do like (laughs) what products do you like like what's what's hot in your world right now let's Let's yeah. go onto Amazon. Let's scrape some images. Let's build a report. Let's put a little something together. Okay, let's make a website about it. Like it, it's very easy now, with almost no cost, you can do all this stuff. And doesn't Minecraft have like a ton of data too? And you, I know you guys were talking. Your kids were into it. I think I've even seen someone build a Power BI report with all like the different materials in Minecraft. So oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I would not doubt it because there's there's yeah. a ton of information that comes now. Where you find that information from? I don't. I don't know. There's probably websites that have it all listed out for you, but um, yeah, you could build incredible reports around that as well. Your games, things like that. Yeah. There's probably a really interesting number of places where you can collect a lot of information. I was just kind of thinking of, you know, how can you, how can you turn this free embedded uh, Power BI into a a website product into something that generates revenue? Like how how could could that actually be something? I, I think it could. Excellent. Um, Tommy, you have um, another kind of a little quick opener here. Talk around some use cases for lake houses. Yeah, so this is super quick, but um, just exploring a few things. And I think the way we've always talked about lake houses um, so far has kind of been part of the normal workflow of the data set, which is going to be for a lot, uh, you know, for a wider audience. We're going to build multiple data sets off of. And there's been a few things I've been trying to do that need an API. And it was just tough to do in Power Query. Not that it can't be done, but it's like, man, this is really frustrating. And I only need to pull a table, right? Or in a sense, create a table. Yep. And but it's paginated. And Mike, you've seen my Power Query for getting our anchor and our uh, YouTube. It, it I have done. a list. It can, it can be done. It can be done. Yeah. Right. But I, like, I would cool. I would agree with yeah. you. Doing Power Query with a paginated or paging Gosh. table that's somewhere on a website, it it is not easy to figure yeah. out how that all works. 100% I can't do it, but I don't want to anymore. Like, so, yes. and um, so I was like, well, I have a notebook and I have Python. So let me just pull the yes. API. Yeah. And I just put basically pushed this super easy into a lake house as a table. And it's kind of just like the standard kind of method because I'm like, I just want to store this data. Correct. Uh, you know, 
Yeah. I don't want to store it in Power BI. I would like to have it in other places too. And I think that's always been the thing with any other tooling is like, well, it's just in a data set. And if I delete the data set, it's gone. Yes, you know? correct. Mm -hmm. So now I have this in a lake house and now I can actually do a lot of the things that I've been in a sense, like really trying to do because it's stored data and it's not in it from, it's not built to be like in part of already an analysis engine. And like, well, that's really interesting because this is what opens up immensely for someone who's just been Power BI, what data you can pull in. And again, I'm not necessarily building a tabular model off of this, but, but this, because then I did a SQL connection to this too. So I don't have to do directly, mm -hmm. you know. I like this, this part a this, lot about this, the new world this here. Correspond, this corresponds to our previous conversation where, um, uh, what, lever trying to leverage, well, maybe, maybe it does or doesn't, leverage the model as mm -hmm. a data source, right? Like oh, yes. Saying, Very similar. You know, like, mm -hmm. But Tommy, like, well, welcome, <laughs> right? Like, this is one of my biggest things with models as a representative reporting mm -hmm. layer. I don't want data just in that place. And mm -hmm. it's specifically for this reason, because of what you just said, man, my mind exploded because now I can use it here or use it here, like work around and, and do something else with it. I think, I think this example also shows what I think you were also saying I agree with is the power of fabric in this ecosystem where it, it is going to open up options for Power BI specific users to this data engineering world, right? Mm -hmm. Like the only yes. reason I'm I'm spending this copious amount of time in Power Query to get this API to work is because that's the only way I can yeah. do it versus what you're describing, which is there's this new thing I may know not may not know out of right out of the box how to do yeah. it, but I have the capability to. So if I look at a little Python and I look at a little notebook and I pull this into a lake house and oh my goodness, lo and behold, <laughs> I have a better solution. Yes. And that's where I think I'm excited about that fabric integration because um, essentially pulling all these services into that interface for you, any user mm -hmm. to explore and build better solutions uh, is a very powerful thing. I 100% agree. Yeah. And, cool. and now it feels, I'll say it again because I've said it since I saw fabric come out. Fabric is for a data engineer for right now. I mean, there's definitely some data science stories. There's some streaming analytics things in here as well. There's some good things that are coming. But right now, the business user is getting a new tool that has, like, the, the were you a kid when you had, the, did you ever get a Swiss Army knife when you were a kid? No, my dad. Did you ever buy one? Yes. I, I, re, I distinctly remember when I was a kid, there was a red Swiss Army knife. And when I was a kid, I wanted to get the really big one. The really big one. The one that was like super wide, has like, like you know, it's, it's like really, it's like really <laughs> wide. But I didn't have enough money because that was like $100 to get that Swiss Army knife. So I remember buying one that was like medium size because I could afford it. But I needed more tools. Like I didn't have the saw blade. I didn't have the corkscrew opener. I didn't have, I don't know, the magnifying glass. I mean, it had a million things. It could do anything. It could do your homework if you wanted to. Like, it, it's just so versatile. But I wanted the bigger Swiss Army knife. I never got it. But to me, it feels like what we've done here is we've got, everyone had a Swiss Army knife. And what we've just been given is, here's the big Swiss Army knife. And so now it's like, okay, I got to open up all the tools and figure out which one's which and what's the yeah. best one to use where and so I mean, really, it feels more like a Leatherman nowadays. But you know. <laughs> oh, okay. all right, you're going straight to the Leathermans. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. And that's, that's some veteran experience. There. That's some veteran experience right there. Cause it's much easier to hold in the hand there. And you can, and you get much better pliers with that one as well. Jeez. I mean, that's what they're known for. Exactly. Uh, but, but this is, this is, would, yeah, this is our argument. We've, we've brought something that traditionally was very it and it's now coming more centric to power BI. So I'm, I'm yeah. very pleased to see it do that. And I think it's, this is a great example, Tommy. Well, of I, why? I, I think, I think it's, it's the thing that we've, we've, I think accurately pointed out and Ginger is pointing out too, that some of her clients are confused by fabric and, and rightfully so, right? Like we're, we're you, you're trying to smash together some really That's... heavy duty engineering, you know, services with what was a very front end tool. And while we love the story, you know, yeah, there's, there's a long way to go. I think in either, you know, businesses merging teams or, like skilling people up, but I just don't, I don't, I don't see people making that, those leaps and bounds to, to the levels that to fully utilize fabric right out of the gate. Right. Like this is an evolution of time where I think we adjust how, like there are a lot more opportunities for us to adjust how we interact with the business. And that's what I'm excited about. Like, like, does that mean we're, we're bringing more technical into business units. Does that mean we're bringing more business into technical units or, you know, is it just now we've created this new environment where there's a lot of different things we can do. Yes. And, and we want to make sure that we administer it and understand what we're building in that ecosystem while we're, you know, doing that discovery um, together. So. I, I would, I would agree a hundred percent on this one. And I, I would like, um, you know, I think another here, another example of this, I'm giving another tangible example is why Fabric is really changing the game for companies. I'm hearing organizations and particularly teams in the business say, man, our data is just a mess. We need to get a better, we, get a, we need to get more hands around our data. And they're like, we, we're going to go ask IT for a SQL server so we can have tables that, like, so they know, they realize we're making databases of information where we think we're at a place where we have some skill that will be able to make these databases for themselves. And so in doing that, the needs of the business are, we need a better way to structure and store and maintain our information. I would 100% agree with you. And instead of letting them just go down and asking IT for the SQL server, I'm actually pushing them more for, hey, you guys should just go ask for, for Fabric. You're, you're already paying for a premium. Mm-hmm. Try to get a, a preview workspace or something around Fabric because now you can control it now there's no infrastructure management required. Literally clicking the button, you can get a data mart, which is your SQL server if you want to go use that, if you want to go load data in from all over the place, because this is what they're doing. They're grabbing data from various third-party tools and trying to land it to tables, shape those tables, and present it back to their business. That's, this is yeah. very simple, common process. But the, the challenge here becomes... When you start doing this at scale with lots of people and lots of things changing all at the same time, you now start losing the ability to be able to do this quickly. And you're now beholden to a single team, potentially IT, that is only up to them to get it done. And and they don't know or understand all the business logic. And I think this is why part of strategic planning, and this is our topic for today, this fits very well with the topic, is very important here because these needs, I think, need to be communicated and, and thought about because as we have just talked about, I mean, we're talking about Power BI initially, but there's probably also functional needs here as well in scope that are more about here's where our data comes from. 
here's the kind of pipelines we need. Here's how we, how we get the data into yeah. our hands. That's why this is required. That's why strategic planning is so important here because um, it's, you need more thought around what's happening here. Arnie's. Yeah. Sorry, Seth, you were going to say something. I was going to go into the main topic now. No, I think we should. Um, I always have more stuff to say fabric <laughs> and other things. But going into you know the topic, but to that point, a lot of this same um, strategy and you know, implementation when, when under the scope of BI, right, also has a huge data component. And in many respects, I think this drives a lot of the data engineering or data needs components within an organization as well. So they're very similar, albeit um, I think the data engineering and backend are much more on the technical side of things. Because, but it, it it's kind of intertwined. That, that's my point. Is it, there's there's a lot of um, cohesion between those two topics and driving the same sorts of um, initiatives from the front end perspective. You're also carrying up, you know, and building out the the need for the that organization to support the the data engineering levels of things as well. Um, Kurt, who I'm going to also call out for. Uh a heavy writer in this article again i can't say, i don't know how much uh, kurt has has spent time on writing this article as well but uh kurt thank you for writing part of this article and working with the microsoft team to, to produce this so we love that you're here um but kurt makes the comment here i would just love for things to work right, my clients want to buy a tool that just works and i 100 agree with you and I, I agree i think fabric will get there i think just in general the the fabric space is good to explore right now. It's definitely, there are pieces of it that are getting more robust, easier to use, uh, and they're they're working for me reliably. And, you know, stay stay tuned, because I think Microsoft's going to continue making it better and better and more reliable, adding more features and capabilities. So anyways, really good topic. I think this is great for, for sitting into strategic planning. Let's transition over to our main topic now, uh, and let's talk about uh, step number two, Trying to go through that three one. Four. Step oh, two three. Was last week. Yeah. Step two is last week. Let's do three and four, which three is uh, running your workshops, completing your assessments. And then section four is, I'm going to get the underscore. That's a lot of data there. Goals. Focusing on goals. All right. So give us some initial thoughts. Section three, uh, focusing on running the workshops. Let's talk about how that goes. So this, to me, goes a little to our last week. And I love that we're already on part three and we're still only on one article, right? <laughs> Which, to be fair, I enjoy it. Really yeah, no, I'm loving it too. But, and, I, and I think we already had that conversation after the first time. We're like, yeah, this is going to be a long one because these are things that are not discussed, I think are commonly overlooked, both from BI, but trying to convince the business we're going to spend a lot more time just implementing a technology and we're going to need your input. We're going to need the right people and we're going to need, you're going to have some responsibilities here. That's harder sale. That's a harder sale depending on your culture because it's not really done unless you're not just changing a technology, but usually if you're changing the entire process and to the point, I just want BI to just work. It doesn't just work. It may have an incredible tool here. We have an incredible technology, but 
You need the right people involved. You need to understand, again, data is only as good as how people perceive it to an extent. It's right? trust. How much they trust. It's a trust it's piece trust. of it. It's trust. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to gain that trust? It's not just I, that bar chart looks right. That if, you, if you're trying to gain trust there, we're way behind the eight ball there. So the idea of these workshops, these, I've called them discovering the past, but understanding what's going on in your department or team. Where are the barriers? Where is your current state of getting data? And then trying to align not just their data needs, but truly their business needs. And trying to make them say, outside of BI, what are you guys trying to achieve? Then aligning that with what BI is trying to do. What technology do we need? What resources do we need? That's really the key here. And I think that's a big part of the article. Yeah. I'll go ahead, Seth. No, I agree. Um, and, and this is already presumptive. If you want to talk about like the other two parts are completely different podcasts. So go, go check those out if you're a little lost where we're at. But we already have established a working team, right? And that's comprised of the COE, the business, security, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, we have a plan of engagement and, and that's what we're starting to do here. There, there's a call out right before this section that I want to just hang on here for a second because there's a warning about the right type of stakeholder, the right stakeholder. What, what, what do you guys, for, for people who are going to engage in workshops, right? What do we, what, what do you think it means by that? I have my opinion, but like, what are, what are your thoughts around? Like, we want to be talking to the right individual. Why? Like, who is that? And maybe, and why? I like it when you ask these kind of questions, Seth, because you already have the right answer. And you're now fishing for information. No, I, have I have an answer. I have Whatever. an answer. Hey, when the COVID is, like, I, I have the I, right I, answer. I, I want to make sure if you have the right answer. <laughs> exactly. This, this is what I our listeners that. say. Because everyone's like, Seth is, always, Seth is always so quiet until the very end. He asks a question and then... He's like, well, actually, it should be this it's way. And we're like, yeah, that's a, a good trap point. Question. I know. A trap question. I know. <laughs> you know that it's that, not the right answer. That's where I trap good. questions are where I pause. And well, I that's true. Go, that's true, no, too. No. And I get real close to the mic. Yep. And I go, Tommy, yeah. what do you mean by that's a trap? Well, what do you yeah, that's true. You know, that's where, true. I'm, where I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> He's got, he's got a few strategies that's, here. There's that's entertainment. That's just... <laughs> Listen, yes, guys, yes. I've done this for 280 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to your questions because I derailed there a little bit. But yeah. um, the warning is make sure you have the right stakeholders in these meetings and making sure that what does that look like for your your question to us was, does that how, how does that impact? What do you know about the who, who is the right type of stakeholder? Like it, whether that's yes. a role or a person, like wh- why is that important? Why are they calling that out specifically? Like so, in your experience when you're doing this, right? Yeah. So I, I think part of this is, and, and let me, I'm going to jump ahead into this section called doing the introductory session, because I think this is going to illuminate some of those why, which people need to be there. In the introduction session, it talks about um, you need to be able to have uh, the right stakeholders. And the executive sponsor in that initial kind of launch meeting. So people kind of agree that this is the direction we're heading. But in that meeting, it introduces what are your initiatives? Why are we trying to do this? It clarifies your scope. The definition of, you know, your your timeline, your main objectives, and the deliverables. Because I think sometimes we, we walk into Power BI and there's many different to your point, Seth, there's, there's, when stakeholders show up or subject business matter experts show up and they're 
end this meeting, potentially getting these initial workshops, you're going to have everyone telling you to do a thousand things. And so without that executive sponsor narrowing in and focusing in on that, that central idea, that central direction that we're trying to head the organization with, you know, part of part, I mean, we're talking about people, process and technology. People are going to be in your organization. They just have to be to get things done. The processes will probably vary widely across different departments. Just is what it is that they've developed how they get things done, whether that's documented or not, who knows. But then the tech, what we're doing now is we're saying, okay, across the organization, we're going to try to use this technology best to help everyone out. So I, I, th I think if you have the wrong people in these meetings, you, you find yourself going down a tangent or building something that is useful to a smaller group of people, but not necessarily implementing or taking care of the needs of the broader part of the organization. For example, if you don't get enough engagement from the business side, you tend to walk more towards an IT-centered, an IT-focused only, non like they call it self-service, but the definition of self-service is not self-service. You know, they don't want to give out data models to people. They only want to have pre-built reports given to everyone. And yes, that may need, meet some of the needs, but it potentially creates bottlenecks inside that IT organization. Can you actually service the hundreds, if not thousands of reports that the, act, the organization is asking for about the data? So I think in some, in some ways, if you don't define, if you don't bring the right needs or the right people in the, into this team with these initial meetings, you lose some of the, the needs and the data sources and the, and the business side of things that are missing. Sorry, I'll pause there. Tommy, what do you think? Well, I was going to say, not even that. You, it's thinking the long term of what that stakeholder is. They're going to be responsible. They have leadership in the sense of they can get things done on their team or department. Okay. And I think it's a really critical part because whatever comes out of these workshops has to be implemented both from BI, but also people trusting and following that process on that team or department. That's true. There's that buy-in as well in knowledge because you may have someone who's great person, they really want to be a part of this, but they have no idea what their either KPIs are or their data. They just know there's needs. So we're looking for, I would call more closer to an ambassador. Like if you think of what an ambassador to whatever country is, they're going to be this liaison between BI right. and their department, understanding, having a relationship with BI, having a relationship with you or whoever's on your team. But obviously part of that department and know the pains, the areas and the needs there. So, but they have to be able to make things move. They have to have the knowledge and they have to be able to make things go forward after these goals. You may have someone who's super excited, but they don't have the ability to push an entire team towards a direction that BI is saying or that that workshop does. So I think there's a big part there of that leadership, but also that part of the knowledge. I would, I would argue that you just described the SME. That's part of the team, the working session team. I think the SME is more, I would call them more operations. They're going to be involved on. I don't, I don't think so. Like if I'm going to include somebody from the business on the working team, the expectation is that they whatever do, we're sussing out in the workshop, they're driving those initiatives within that business unit, because that's going to change per business unit. I don't have a business SME that covers yeah. multiple business units. That mover and shaker to me is on on the team running the workshop. Uh, and I'm one of the things I'm thinking here is let me let me just talk very candidly around 
a team that needs a lot of help. It's usually finance. Finance seems to be a team that, and what I feel like I find when I walk into things with Power BI, one, one person that needs to be on this team or in these workshops is someone who really knows Power BI very, very well. Not someone who's guessing like, oh, we can make these reports. Oh, I heard about this thing called paginated. You need someone on this team that has studied, understands, and has either implemented or it feels to me like you need some knowledge around how you can use this tool and shape it into what your team needs. So that's one persona. Whether that's a hired consultant, whether that's someone who's already in your company doing this already because you already have Power BI running, that person needs to be part of this conversation. Also to your point, Seth, this team is also, or particularly these, these workshops is, I think it's as a mix of, I mean, I, I agree with Tommy to some level, but I also agree with you, Seth, as well. Like this media, these workshops are discovery of, tell me what's going on. Tell me where your pain points are. Um, we, as a company, we're doing Power BI, and these are like, you're trying to also align people in that direction. So I think, I think you're looking for pain points, but I, I also agree. I don't think the SME in their department always knows the best way to get things done. I think they know how to get things done with the current tools they have. And you find challenges that if you don't know there's a better way, you just keep doing things. And this is why we, we land in Excel and we stay building databases in Excel because we don't know there's a better way. And so we're so resistant to change that we don't explore faster and better automation, which is what Power BI now Fabric gives us. And let me clarify a little too, just I think the distinction between this me and the stakeholder, you're called a stakeholder because you actually have skin in the game. And that's because you can also get things done. You may not be doing it, but you have authority because you have a responsibility for your team. Doesn't necessarily mean around business intelligence, but you are playing some active role for your team on what the whatever the goals are, business goals are, and you have the authority to carry those out to some degree. So if you're going to be a stakeholder, you have skin in the game both ways. Yeah, I, I guess. So it, it, it's open. I, I don't, I'm not saying there's like a right or wrong yeah. in, in here, right? But mm -hmm. like on, it, Mike, you, you mentioned executive sponsor in here. I don't, I don't think they're part of this conversation. They're driving, I think, the high level initiatives that give us a lot of context and independent research before we're engaging, right? Like we have to align to what the strategic objectives of the organization are, but they're identifying that working team member I think as well within there to help guide what happens in these engagements. And Tommy, where I don't think the stakeholder in this context is that person that's getting things done is that description, right? Like underneath involve the correct stakeholders. The working team should identify key stakeholders who have sufficient knowledge and credibility to represent their business area. In each workshop, the role of these stakeholders is to participate in discussions that are led by the working team. Stakeholders need to describe the business objectives and data needs for their areas and the current state of data and analytics initiatives to support the business objectives. Identifying the right stakeholders is essential in order to run successful workshops and gain an accurate understanding of the business areas and scope. What that describes to me is not somebody who's taking responsibility for enacting any of this. What it describes to me is what I think I agree 100% with is the right a stakeholder is what are the problems you guys are having with reporting and data? 
or how do you guys operate in this world to deliver for the business? And this is where we suss out what the what the tactical or technical problems that exist in a business unit. And most of the time it's inefficiencies. What are the big, big rocks that they're moving around manually or don't have visibility into yes. that the stakeholder is identifying? Yes. And I think Mike nailed it, at least I agree with, is if you don't get the right stakeholder to describe the right problems in that context, you are going to go down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And those rabbit holes are, okay, guys, this is the biggest problem we have. Yes. yes I've it got is. this Excel process, right? Yeah. And they will spend the entire working session talking about their process that they spend eight hours a week on. Yep. Right manually building and then at the end of it hopefully right if you're running the workshop wrong and this is the the warning around Mm -hmm. this is if you if you don't catch right in the beginning like what is the outcome what is the impact of all this work that you're doing yes that stakeholder comes in is like okay and then we get to the value prop of having gone through all this and they're like oh okay and then I report this to my uh, my my leader, and and they look at it once once a quarter. Like, are you describing yeah. a completely inefficient process that you're doing manually and wasting a bunch of time doing for some metric? Yes, yes. but the so, impact to the business is like infinitesimal. So we're not going to step in and invest a month's worth of work to automate a process that has little to no value to the business. And that's, that is what I wanted to like lean into here because it is so easy to do that because you don't know, you don't know the business area. And just because you have a subject matter expert from a logic perspective Mm -hmm. or understanding how the business works, if you pull somebody into this meeting that's like, you guys are going to save me. You guys are going to do this stuff for me. Like, woohoo. And then they take over a conversation. It, it's a bad day. I'll well, just say that. It's a lot of wasted what, time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what I, there's a really an integral split or divide in terms of the conversations you're having here. And depending on what people, the business goals and the objectives towards those goals should not focus around what Excel files are you using and how does that data come in? Those conversations are truly around what are the key metrics you're looking at? How do you look at that? How do you guys make your decisions? Again, that's business. That is not Excel or whatever notebook or whatever quickbook that we're using. And really the first bullet point of if we're going to complete fulfilled assessments, the business needs and the process and initiatives that they're objectives, that doesn't necessarily mean where the data is coming from. That's why you need, if they're, you have that person who's saying we need that Excel file, hopefully it's the job of the workshop leader to say, that's great. But right now we're only talking about the business goals. But I think these are, but but I think those are one and the same. It's it's not as easy as you're defining. Just like, you don't know where these people are coming from. You have multiple people coming in to this working session where you're trying to figure out like, what are, what are the big things in here that we can, we can make an impact on? They, they don't know the context of like, and you can't just turn off. Like if you guys have an Excel process, we don't, we don't want to talk about that because uh, yeah. you very well might want to talk about that. Then that's probably the wrong person. If they're to going Why? back, if they're, if they're talking immediately about Excel, they're not understanding 
the needs of the business. They're talking about well, themselves. I, I disagree with that statement with you. Okay, uh, how do you think? How do you think the vast majority of finance teams work? Business goals. Business goals. We're not talking yeah. about their process. Yeah. Their, their our, our business. Side. One of our business. One of our strategic business goals is to ensure that our financial reporting and how our finance people report all is consistent. All comes through the same metrics. All the all the same KPIs and is there two days after the close. Is that That's, universal? That is a massive. Department? Yeah, I'm just saying it's a massive oh, yeah. business goal that many financial teams are running through in in Excel. So how can you say Excel's not part of this conversation? It's a technology. It's a part of a process that they're manually doing stuff to get to a point that you absolutely would want to solve is probably one of the biggest things a business intelligence team Everything could do. You just said, but you didn't say Excel yet. You were just talking about their initiatives and goals. We'll get to the Excel side, but if we're starting off with the technology, I think we've lost focus. Well, I would agree, but hey, I want to, I want to come. I think we're talking about the same thing. I do want to be very clear about the difference. There's a number of terms we're using here. Um, different teams, different people, stakeholders. I think there's a there's a sequence of these assessment meetings, right? So I'm going to pull back just a bit, and I'm going to come back into your conversation around Tommy and Seth around the, the tools and the technology piece, because I think there's a, a good summary in the output of this section that says, what are the outputs of these meetings, what this should look like? Because the tooling is part of that conversation, albeit it should not be the only part of the conversation. So I think at minimum, there's two, maybe two or pl two plus meetings that this is talking about. One is the initial kickoff meeting, making sure we align on goals and expectations. And Seth, when I said earlier, the executive sponsor should be part of this, they should be a part of that first meeting that's just kind of like, here's what we're doing. We're defining how this is, we're defining strategic areas, actionable things in our company that define where data lives and how we do things with data. I mean, to me, the theme that's coming up in this is treat data as an asset. That's what it feels like I'm, I'm hearing in the back of my head. All this is alluding to me is that we're going to be strategic about it and we're going to think of data as this is a valued asset inside our company. So after that initial workshop, I don't I, I would agree with you, Seth. There is no executive sponsor. They're, they don't need to be available for the rest of this. They're only they only get brought in or informed of things outside of this meeting. So like if there's blockers, someone's not showing up, this team's not playing well with us. So that we keep reaching out to finance and they don't want to come participate in these workshops. That's when they get involved. But I think at least the initial meeting, they're there. Then I think it talks a lot about the stakeholder. And then they're calling this thing the working team, which has been defined earlier in the article. And I, I agree with you, Seth, here on this one as well. I think the stakeholders are those key data leaders across the different business units, the finance business data person, because you, you know who that is. There is that person, the buck stops there with this person, whether it's the, the manager of that department or there's someone in that department who's been there forever and knows all the things. And when everyone goes to, when there's problems, they go to that person for, for the needs of that, that team. So that, that stakeholder, I agree with you, Seth, that's a person who needs to be able to voice the challenges, the process, the goals, and be able to articulate that, but also should have working understanding of, okay, well, what are we using? And this is, and this is where I want to bring it back together here with Tommy, what you're saying and Seth, you're saying as well. I think it's a good blend of we can't focus solely on the tools, but they do inform part of the strategy and what's going on here. On the other hand, we do also look at what let's make sure we're working on things that are aligned directionally to the to the business. 
where are we going? What are the big milestones we need to move? And if I, if I read farther in this, Seth, I would agree to come with you completely because there's two assessments to your point, Mike, that they're talking about that we need that BI would want to complete a data culture assessment. Do we have the right, the, the people, are we aligned? Do we have the, the skills. Right or do, do we have the skill? Not yeah. even the technology yet. Just yeah. are do people trust the data, or they look? Do they have an OKR system? Yeah. Do they are you know are we siloed with our metrics, or is that something more shared? Data. If I just if right. I just shared a data set to your team, would you even know what to do with it? That's like, the, the, maybe the, not. The, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can we trust people. I think even before that, though, data culture is that ability that across the team, I can trust a number that I'm looking at wherever it's coming from, and yeah. that there's actually decisions that can be made. What is that data literacy the conversation we had? The ability to read, talk, and argue with data. Are, where are we that? That's data culture. The other assessment is the technical assessment. Okay, this is finance. This is what you're trying to do. This, you need this every you know, two days. Can we support that in the technology that you have? Do we need to migrate that to Power BI or Fabric? Uh, like where can BI support and what kind of lift do we need to do from the technology? Technology is always going to be means to some end, but obviously it's an integral part. I'm really happy to see in the article that there is that split here because I've seen this and I've done this myself. I've gotten too bogged down by what the technological challenges are, not understanding if they're actually whatever they're going to utilize or if they even trust what they're looking at and uh, because they're just doing the process for the sake of process. So that assessment side here is really huge that there is that divide too. We'll talk about Power BI and Excel and Fabric and your systems, but we need to understand first, what are you doing with that? Do you have the responsibility around those metrics that are getting reported? And how do those move? How do your goals move? Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying like we dive no. into an Excel process in these meetings. I, I'm just saying part yeah. of being informed on what a business unit is doing is understanding the tools and technology that oh, they're they're yeah. performing those on right mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the amount of time they're spending in manual versus automated work if they if everything's automated in excel i don't care <laughs> like okay great there's an opportunity of something that we move into a different system potentially depending yes. on the the level of you know <laughs> governance and whatever we need to do i would i think i want to say i want to go i don't know there on that i agree with you 100 seth and i'm like Hey, if you got it owned, if you own it in Excel, yeah, keep going. I'm just in my mind though, I'm writing down, okay, Tommy has this really big Excel file. It takes three days to do. Uh I just Not gonna I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna note down like where this occurs yeah. because when Tommy wins the lottery and he's out of here, like we know we're gonna have problems when that's Excel file is like, where did all our data go? Oh, that was mm -hmm. that was Tommy's Excel file hidden away in part of the you organization. Have to see yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there, but I don't no, want to no. emphasize that point. Write it down because you're going to need it later. <laughs> all, well, all this assessment is to understand what a business unit is doing, right? Yes. I mean, this is a big wake-up call right. a lot of the times for organizations That's as well. That's a good um, point. Very good point. The, the, the comparison you make to me is like after the business unit assessment and after you've already, I think, done a data culture assessment across the organization. Yes. Because what I want to do is I want to compare, does, does that overall data culture assessment fit this business unit? Or does is there a slight variation in the fact that they may be ahead in certain areas at, versus behind? And that's why I love the data culture assessments, like the maturity levels, because it's very easy to summarize the outputs of this information into 
executive level slides, right? Like, yeah. hey, here's the initiatives, here's the things we're working on, here's why. Um, and that's where I think we come out of this with uh, a deeper understanding of what are the biggest pain points as far as something that this team or the organization should take a vested interest in and what are the things that are either working right or fall into the bucket of virtuous waste that that business unit needs to solve because regardless i think there's multiple facets or value adds that come out of these assessments related to um the business unit itself being able to take some of this information and fix its own things without the need for a, a coe or bus a centralized business intelligence team or you know this process to pick up and solve because there's a big value add for the business to do i think it, you know like you have to you have to weigh the pros and cons of you know implement like investing time in those areas i like a lot of the things you said there seth and i it, i'm really loving these sections the completing the assessments, the outputs that you're talking about here, make sure you document major business goals. Just talk about those. Make sure those are documented. So there's, a, there's at least a conversation around them. Talk about business objectives. What is the progress towards those goals? Okay, we talked about the goals. Here's what we're going to do. How are we making progress to them? Um, the data needs that supporting their processes and initiatives. What, do you, what data do you have? What, what are you missing, right? Probably more importantly, what data do you wish you would have? Are you, if you had a crystal ball and you don't have it today, how, how can we work through that? That may be something that's here. And then the next part I really want to point out here, I really like this one. I think this is under, I think this is a, a topic you, you should really pay attention to. This will really help you. The contents of the assessment. Inside there, there is the maturity levels. Really impactful. I really like... And I think, especially when talking with clients, this really makes a lot of sense to go say, okay, let's define what maturity levels are inside your BI and business strategy. And there's a, there's a link to it that takes you over to a different page. And it talks about initial level maturity, level 100, repeatable processes, defined processes, capable teams, and then an inefficient team. And it's talking at a high level. It's talking about the organizational adoption maturity levels. So it gives you some really good bullet points. A repeatable organization should be able to find certain content that's critical and important. They're going to be able to doc, they have documents or can document those processes in a way that would be repeatable to someone handing off to someone new. There is a repeatable pro in the 200 level maturity. <laughs> There's an over-reliance in individuals having good judgment and adopting healthy habits on their own. You're not driving it forward. That's a crit. Like, I see so many companies inside this repeatable level. Like, they have just got just enough mm -hmm. to make it like sustainable, uh, but they're not at the next level. So it's it's really healthy, I think, to identify where you are because as you plan these meetings, and as you think about strategically what's going on here, you're just trying to move things up another notch. Like, you're trying to identify things that are weak in the 200 level repeatable maturity and you're trying to get to a level 300 level which is defined don't try to skip from a 200 to a 500 it's going to take too much effort and you'd be overwhelmed I, th I think a big part of these assessments that need to be outlined is these assessments may hurt um both from if you may be sensitive to your data culture needs improvement we're not really focusing on the right things or there's a big technological shift we have to do uh you know we're, we're bringing a lot of light to what's capable and i think 
part of this is also BI really proving their value at the end of the year or the end of the day, because we're assessing, we're really finding out where can we provide the most value for your team? Is it because whatever the process, is it because uh, whatever we're going to work on, those assessments should outline whatever we're going to be working on for the next quarter or two quarters of the year now and next. So we're really proving our value, but some of that may hurt because you may realize, listen, we would like to do this, but no one on your, on your team we've found is actually actively using their, their targets for anything. Therefore, that needs to be a part of this is that responsibility on who owns these metrics. Oh, also, ownership, every, is, right? ownership, and, ownership is a whole nother conversation. There's a big part here. Of yeah. Those, like culture, that. those data culture assessments are not going to necessarily say you need Power BI because if no, if every team where you're finding people are all defining the metrics differently, mm -hmm. well, technology by that real definition, there's more conversation need to have. And maybe that's the initiative. We need to get everyone outlined or defined and agreed on what a member is and what member account is across the teams. Why is this a big difference? Whatever that case may be, those assessments are going to target us to whatever we're going to be working on. And again, I think that's where the value add is. And this is why the big difference to me is between just being in BI and building reports and why these assessments really change how valuable BI is. I always go back to like, at the end of the year, I'm telling my boss, ah, I built like 25 reports. They don't, you know, that part, my boss doesn't know what they are. Yeah. But you know, yeah. What value does that tell them? Oh, right. okay, fine, Tommy. Right. Oh, yeah, 25 reports. One of them is about watches that I'm selling on the internet from yeah. Amazon. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. like right. okay. Like yeah. what value, like yeah. to your point there, that is a good metric to hold on to, but like what business value is that adding? And so, okay, right. I built 25 reports. These teams are using these strategic reports now to do daily yeah. work that has saved them hours of time. And I think this is one of the areas here that's very underrated is there is this concept of, you know, working smarter, working better together kind of concept. Like if we just work in a more, in a smarter way, we can save ourselves a ton of time and help us make better decisions because that data is just available to us. We're not spending time chewing through the data to get to the answers. We already have the data there that supports those answers. I think one of the, the uh, overall, uh, completely in alignment. I, I love I love talking about these things with you guys. Um, it, it seems like the audience as well in, <laughs> maybe introduces this as a, a bit of a therapy or like kind of getting around these initiatives and how to, how to make impacts on the organization, right? The, the one that pops up as a, as a struggle point for me um, is in the beginning of this workshop, part of the introduction is to explain the scope of the initiative with the business, its objectives, the timelines, and Ooh. deliverables. Ooh, timelines, I would say those are the hardest and, ones to think through. But but it's not, it's not necessarily like hard to think through. To me, this is a sticking point because from for for you guys, right? But but also in two different ways. One for internal leaders, and also for external, right? So if you're engaging as a consultant with a, an organization, right, you can't produce a business case outside of your history of knowing that there is so much to work on, and you're gonna find deficiencies. Is that enough for your customers to say, "Yep, come on in"? Like, just figure it out. Go into these workshops. I I trust that you're going to come up. You're talking with about buying, right? 
Well, yeah. not necessarily buy-in. What I'm yeah. talking about is I can't come up with a solid business case or a reason for you to invest unless you let me do the assessment first. Right. Right. So it almost to, 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 to some degree for you guys pushes that there there, you have to invest in the assessment in order to understand what the specific problems are that you need to go solve if you don't understand them. Right. But I think it presents, well, I know it presents an internal struggle mm -hmm. when you're trying to solve problems for an organization but you don't have the resources to support the, the, those initiatives, yeah. you can't have these, like, I'm not saying you can't have these workshops, but if the outcome is a business case, I can't go into the business and say, here's your timeline and here's your deliverable because I don't know how they're going to stack rank, right? And it also presents this other problem where when you engage with the business, business expects something back in a time frame. And that is very difficult to do if you start engaging with business units mm -hmm. and you're not delivering on something. They don't like having strategic conversations where you're like, you know what? I'd love to tee this up for next year because their problems might not be the same. So it, this kind of like requires that you already have the horsepower to execute before you actually know what the business case is. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I've struggled through this. I I know it's real. It's just cart before the horse, but you're not going to get investment without specifics. You can't get specifics without an investment. And you're kind of in this place where it's like, well, hopefully you have a happy medium. <laughs> like you just, you're the guy and they said, go fix finance or something like that. But I think it's a challenge point in here that that is something to point out that it, it's not so easy. Just because we have a lot of this um, framework uh, and a lot of the ways in which we can implement things within an organization that it's not, sometimes it's not so easy, but at the same time, iterating over how these processes could potentially work um, is, is valuable in finding the path forward for you that is going to also work for the business. And, and mm -hmm. there's a ton of fantastic ideas in here. And um, I think it's stress tests uh, assumptions that we make um, about our experiences, because you also have to recognize that every organization is its own unique beast, right? But mm -hmm. love, love it. Wanted to point out a pain point in here that I've repetitively hit over the years um, as something that, like, if you want specifics, you have to, like, you have to do discovery, right? You have to do the assessments to get the specifics before. So you're investing a little before a lot. Or you're trusting the leaders, the consultants, the whatever that have done this for a long time and understand that there's a lot of opportunity. It's just a matter of what things you want to plug into. And my last thing I'll say, and I, I love your point. It hits home and you guys may not agree with this, but it's so much easier being a consultant because I've done these for <laughs> I, I've done these things for disagree. years. Yeah. And this type of thing from the adoption and you might, you have teams or departments, you're dealing with the politics. They go, no. <laughs> like we don't want to meet with you we have our thing so basically uh, don't go jump in a lake and you have oh. to come prepared internally um like at least from a consultant side someone has actively seek me out or we have this conversation they're like they've already made the decision right. to spend they've money already, on you exactly exactly but when yeah. you're internal and you're like hey we're going to do these assessments and help change your process 
that's where this right stakeholders, that's where yeah. that, how the introduction goes mm -hmm. to that first workshop is so important. Um, especially if you're internal to say like, yeah. we're trying to help you. We're not just trying to change you. I, I will, I will definitely echo this. This is the same thing I've experienced as well. And Ginger, I think you're also uh, picking up on this as well. Consultants that come in will say exactly the same thing. Your internal employees are already been saying all the time. The fact that we're paying someone a lot of extra money and they're the consultant somehow throws some extra weight and people get involved and, and want to listen to it a bit more. So part of the reason why we have jobs to begin with, but I will, I will agree internal conversations. This is really, I think where the executive sponsor mm -hmm. su supplies some really good effort, help support. I don't know what you want to call it there, but this is where the executive sponsor really can help and enhance this as well. So very good point, Tommy. And I would totally agree with you. Um, I would definitely rec recommend to organizations to pull in people who know the platform, who have done this before, who have like it's it's if you don't have a person who already knows all this stuff, you're going to need to go find some skills and talent to bring that to your organization, at least initially until we, and people start getting the there's going to be light bulbs that eventually click on like, aha, this is a better way. Aha, this is helping me. Like once you start getting that momentum going, I think it becomes easier um, inside the organization. But again, as a consultant, we don't play yeah. political games. The, we the can literally just say you're wrong. This is how you do it and walk away. Yeah. And there's no political right. impact on our saying that. The the one point I would like to make is, is I think those are, you, you outlined two different things. One is uh, organizations that don't, don't know, don't have the horsepower or the individuals and need, mm -hmm. they need you. They need guidance. They need the structure. They need yes. somebody to come in and, and at least initially hundred yes. percent yeah. for the other use case where when you roll in and I've been there too, you you find like minds you've got guys who are like or women that are like hey i've already had this idea we already have this like yep we're we're 100 on board well i guess we're just here to help help you make it work yep in those cases That's i think it's point. important for those people who have that expertise and the knowledge to start pushing that forward and up so that the organization starts to understand that they're is a strategy somebody does understand how to fix this it's just a matter of them not having focused on it before yes. so if Agree. an opportunity comes up where all of a sudden and and a lot of times unfortunately it's a it's a huge pain point there's a spike that makes it all the way up and they're like we need to solve this problem we're going to go invest in solving that problem either that goes to consultants or it goes to the people who have been saying hey we have a problem just letting you know if you want to fix it, we, we have a way we can fix it. You just need to invest in it. They would do they would go that route because they know they have that expertise in-house. They would much rather do that. No. So like that's the value in I think pushing up those ideas and going through these processes to to just outline, do a data assessment, do a data culture assessment. Like where where is an organization at? But push that as as high up as you can because then it, that visibility gets to the places that the the money making decisions uh happening I, I love your point there seth and i think that's a great one one thing i'll also i think i feel like works well in this situation too is not every department not every part of your organization is going to want to love this and jump in on it they just won't it just won't happen and so people there's there's going to be people that resist there there will be it's people are difficult to work with at best and i will say this there to your point there will be parts of the organization that understand, that adopt, and push into this and make it and will help it make it go forward. 
those are great examples to lean into and increasingly make them more efficient, build better process, work with them to, uh, to help them achieve the business goals for their department because that becomes a working testimony to other departments and other leaders to say, look, we've already had these successes in this department. Let's show you the output or the result of us making a better thing together. And then you can use that as an example. And that also it helps incentivize other leaders or other stakeholders to say, oh, wow, you know, marketing's got their game on. They know what's going on. They've got good, I want, I want their kind of reports that they have. If I had what they had, I could do my job better. And you, you can start, you know, uh, using that as, as a, um, a culture thing that you can then start spreading across the organization. So really good points. I know we are over. We started a little bit late, so we're going a little bit late as well. So I apologize on that one. Let's wrap things up here with final thoughts and we'll, we'll call it a, a session. This is a great session. Um, Tommy, what are your final thoughts? Like I just said, but I think we may have another one on this article, just focusing on goals. I mean, this was just been workshops and stakeholders, which yep. I really love that we spent all this time on here because again, this is nothing, or this is not a lot you hear about that. I think is harder to get off the ground, but I think we've really shown what value add that becomes at the end of the year, both for the business, but even for yourself, um, even for the BI team, because what you're actually focusing on. You could also spend all this time just building random reports that come through. And this really changes where we spend our time. And I think it's more uh, fulfilling for BI too, because you know we're actually working on things that are actually having an impact. Seth, what are you, any final thoughts? Yeah, mo most of them provided. Um, I, I think just on on a high level, what what's nice to see in, in the levels here is, right, like we're starting at a high level. We, we figure out, you know, uh, some overall strategies. We engage, we build out subject matter experts and team members to go in and get the nitty gritty. And then we come back out, right? So you're, you're moving through kind of a hierarchy of um, how do you align big objectives, figure out where what's happening in the business unit to, to bring that back up. So it, I, I like this back and forth that I think also it is something that, that is new potentially to a lot of listeners or business intelligence professionals in how they think about their jobs. So that, that value here in, you know, high level thinking down to strategy, the day to day, um, and how those interact with one another is outlined in a lot of what we're talking about today. I'll say, I'll say when I look at this article, I mean, this page scrolls forever. There's a lot here. And when I, and when I look down at the, you know, uh, completing the different assessments, completing the uh, culture assessment, completing the technical assessment, which I think are two things you should definitely do. Read up on those sections. Go in, dive in a bit deeper. There's a lot there. I would also say don't get overwhelmed by all the things that it shows you. Because if you look at the technical assessment, there's like 14 things. You look at the um, the cultural assessment, there's another 14 things. So I think you, you can tackle all of them at once, but it could take you a lot longer. So I would also say pick portions of this. Some of these things will probably resonate with challenges you have in your organization. Focus on the, no, the known wins you can go after. And yes, you should do your best to understand all of it, but there's so much here. I mean, you, you have to read all this stuff. There's just so much good value here. Anyways, just start. Don't get overwhelmed by all the great insights that are here, but I will say... A lot of this stuff works. 
from someone who's done this with organizations and worked through these things and made a center of excellences and started pushing these processes and things out, it will help push things forward. And what's the harm? You have nothing now. Here's something to start with. So, you know, anything's better than nothing. So anyways, thank you all very much for your time today. We appreciate it. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere they're available. Apple, Spotify, wherever get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. It helps us out a ton. If you have a question, an idea, or a topic that you want us to talk about in a future episode, head over to Power BI Tips slash podcast. Leave your name and a great question. Finally, join us live every Tuesday, Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central, and join the conversation on all Power BI Tips social media channels. And some days, maybe 7.35, depending if it's hey. snowing, <laughs> if the wind's blowing the wrong way, or, or something. So thank you all very much for attending. We appreciate your listenership and your ears. Uh, please like and subscribe and share it to somebody else if you found this valuable content. Thank you. Talk to you next time.